0: What an important time for us to know what we believe and state what we believe, isn't it? Critical time. Can you hurry up? <laughs> huh. Thank you again. I always It's a lot more fun. Sometimes I come in here when it's empty during the week and it's dark. I'll sit up in the choir loft and pretend that I can sing and sing some of the good old choruses I remember from church when I was growing up as a kid. And um, just fill this place with at least something God thinks sounds good. But it's a lot uh, more rich and full with you here singing and lifting up the name of the Lord with me. Well, if you knew, oh, before I get started, you know, Mama Linda said something that just made me think I wanted to tell all of you too. She just reminded me that they brought these flowers just, you know, to put some color on the communion table. And, and just because uh, this is their last Sunday with us for a while. Mama and Mama and Papa are heading back to Texas this week, uh, and they're trying to sell their home. So let's be. Will you join us in praying that their home sells? Uh, their home was on the market for a year when they looked at it, and they were the first ones to look at it. Um, and so, but you know, the market's a little different. And we're hoping and praying that it sells. They can get back at it with the grandbabies and the other people that come along with the grandbabies too. Um, so, well, we want to get we want to get with it. We have got a potluck today, um, and I hope you'll be able to stay with that uh, for us today and have fellowship. But we've been in a journey. If you're new with us, or just to recap for all of us, uh, in one to the power of one, discipleship. Each one disciple one, and we're starting with the first half of it being becoming a disciple, and later will be who makes disciples. And I think there's a lot we need to absorb. And, and help counteract God's word to what Satan, the lies Satan tries to tell us about these things in how we become a disciple. We started with the pursuit of holiness and then went into private worship. That if we're pursuing holiness, the daily life of worship is essential. That I'm, I'm honoring and enjoying his presence wherever I am at any time. And then how that affects our public worship was third that as we are people coming out of private worship and coming together to pour out and be here for each other, the richness and fullness that is there in that. Last week, as a part of that public worship, we looked at observing the sac- I mean two weeks ago, observing the sacraments, and then last week we looked at witnessing, not the so much the outward part of it, we'll get into that, but what are we witnessing? What am I seeing? Am I seeing God's work in my life? Am I witnessing Him in His Word? Am I witnessing Him in, in His processes in my own life so that... When it comes time to share with others, it's coming from what I'm witnessing now. And I'm giving witness to it later. So I invite you now to grab your note sheet as we continue the journey moving along. And, and I know that you'll see the title there is... Um, oh, and on the back side of it too. On the back side is supplemental information during the week. You can read it, study on your own. Community groups are Some of the community groups are dealing with that stuff. But our title is One to the Power of One, Section 1. Becoming a disciple, section six, session six, discipling other believers. Discipling other believers. You know, I think if you look around, I think every single one of us has people in our life that we influence. Not all of us are gifted as leaders. Gifted leaders will have probably more people that are kind of gathering around them and getting close to them. There's a special gifting. But I think every one of us has someone we have influence with in our life. And uh, and that's a very important thing. And, and I think we influence them, you know, I mean, we, we can influence them to like our favorite team. We can influence them, you know, like kids growing up, they kind of adopt their dad's team and, and wear the colors together, watching the game on TV or going to the games and all that. Um, and, and, and we have those kinds of influences. And, and some of it's so natural, we don't even really realize it. But when we start talking about influencing others for Christ, all of a sudden we get the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yikes. (laughs) And and today, as we talk about this in becoming a disciple who makes others, God wants to help us with the yikes. He wants to help us with those fears from his word. And, And the first thing he wants to say to us is, for me, it's not about me. See, fear and fear of rejection, that's about fear of my own personal emotions. That's about fear of my own fulfillment in relationships that I'm afraid, you know, that I need something from them and if they break off because I'm a, I'm a Christian weirdo or, you know, so there's some of that fear in rejection. And there's fear in our lack of knowledge. I don't think I know enough to disciple someone else. I don't think I'm mature enough to disciple someone else. But those are all about I don't think I. I don't think I. And God wants to help us with that because it's not about me or us. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Him. He is the one that we're wanting people to follow. And so we're going to look at some things that we'll see in Him that will help us think about what it really means to disciple someone else in the context of Christian faith. The first thing we want to look at is we want to follow, it's all about Him and His example. He left us an example very clearly. When he began his ministry, first thing he did, went around tapping some guys on the shoulders. Hey, follow me. He picked disciples, what we call now the Apostles. Now, he's had many more disciples. The number of disciples grew, Scripture tells us. So it's, we can't. We got to be careful when we're trying to maybe defend ourselves from some of the things that Jesus said to his disciples in Scripture. Well, he only meant them for those disciples, you know, because we're confusing the apostles. The disciples grew, and things that he said about this, he spoke to those who were following him. Those are his disciples. And so that qualifies all of us into this today, these things that he is going to be saying to us. But he chose twelve. He chose 12 guys that didn't quite understand what he was saying. There were tax collectors. There were stinky fishermen. There was a ragtag bunch. There was a doctor. Kind of an interesting mix. But he, he picked these 12 and they walked with him. They, they sat with him at, at night. They, they, they were huddling, as, as we've talked about. What a, a disciple will do to a rabbi is staying so close, they hope to pick up the dust off his feet. And, and, you know, I mean, I used to, we had a dog, Samson, that when I'd get up and leave the room and if I stopped, he'd bump in the back of my leg because that dog would not, he had separation anxiety from me, I guess. I miss him like crazy. But there were times when I'm like, Samson, lay down. I'll be right back, you know, because we just kind of, you know, Jesus for three years had this ragtag bunch of guys just wanting to hear everything he said. Did you just say something? What did you say? What did you say? Did you say something? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. How are, you, how are you breathing? Are you, okay, all right, all right, okay. how are you writing? Can I see how you write? I want to try to see if I can write like you do. Okay. I mean, he had these guys in his world, in his kitchen, 24-7. But he picked disciples. He had to reach the world. But he worked through what's, what, there's a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. He discipled people. He got in relationship and he influenced them through that relationship. And if that's his example, then today we need to see, a, I need to see a harsh reality that if that I am not like Christ, if I am not discipling others, he did. That was Christ. That was his plan. That's how he changed the world and is changing the world through a growing number of disciples from those that he discipled. And Christian means little Christ or Christ like. And, and I am not like him if I'm not doing what he did. You know, the, Michael Jordan was such a popular athlete; he still is very popular. And I mean, the first pair of $150 tennis shoes I sold after graduating from college and working at Cal stores in San Diego was the Air Jordans, a pair of high-top basketball shoes. I was so grateful for the commission on that. But there was, a, you know, there was a campaign. I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. And people would spend money to to buy the clothes and the shoes because they wanted to be like Mike. And, and you know, I've seen a lot of people that are wearing the Jordan jerseys and and the Bulls, uh, Chicago Bulls shorts and the Air Jordan shoes. And all they do is sit on the couch and eat potato chips. Uh, You can dress like Mike, but you're not like Mike if you don't play ball. And we can try to dress and sound and talk like Jesus, but we're not like Him if we don't do what Jesus did. And what Jesus did was He made disciples. He discipled others. So His example is one. The next would be His command. You saw in that first picture a track coach helping a guy get the stance right at the starting line, the beginning line, and Jesus is where we start. You see here this this gal that's teaching another how to high jump. And showing her form. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But, but in this, in helping others learn what we've learned, you know, that's what going and making disciples are. And Jesus said to go make disciples, teaching them to obey what I have taught. And, and we have to know what he's taught in order to teach and, and teach them to obey. We must be obeying it. But the simple truth here is he said, go and make disciples. And so the the tough truth for me that I need to hear in that is I am not obedient to Christ if I'm not discipling others. Really no illustration needed here. It's what he did, so I'm not like him if I don't. It's what he told me to do, so I'm not obedient to him if I don't. (laughs) These are very framed in very negative terms and I apologize for that but these are the harsh truths that that are being spoken in love from God's Word today that He wants to Number one, we do have these fears and concerns and we'll address those but we need to see the urgency and the requirement of this. So we have His example, we have His command but we also have His promise. His promise. Come. In fact, this was before He commanded. This is when He first started. Hey, come follow me and I'll I'll do something with you. Come follow me and I'll make something of you. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And that's a, there's a command. Come follow. If I'm not following him, I can't become what following him will make me. Right? So the command is there. Come and follow me. And so if I'm not following him, then I'm not obeying that command. But if I follow him, it's not about me. He will make me a fisher of men. That's a promise. If you follow me, Jesus says, I'll make you a fisher of men. You know, the number of disciples. He said that to his apostles. He said that to the disciples. We talked last week about Acts where he said you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses to the growing number of uh, disciples that were there. But he said, "It's, it's all in this. That, you know, I mean, do we need to put effort into it? Yes. But that effort... I think is more effective when we don't think it's all up to me to get everything and remember. And if I can't pass a test at a certain percentage, I better not start to try to share what I know with others. It's, hey, if I follow him, he will make me fishers of men. And, and really a simple truth in that for us to know today, for me to hear, is I'm not believing Christ if I'm not discipling others. If my fears keep me from trying to disciple someone else, influence others into closeness with Christ. I'm doubting what he said that he can make me one. I'm not gifted in that. You may not be. But but he didn't say that he's only going to make some fishers of men. How you go about it will be different than others for sure. How many you disciple will be different than others. But Jesus simply said, "If you follow me," and I guess it could be put in there. I'm not following him if I'm not discipling others, because if I was following him, I would be discipling others. He would he would make me fisher of, a fisher of men. And so, do we believe Jesus at his word today? We say we believe Jesus, but he tells you today, if you follow him, he will make you a fisher of men. But then you say, well, you know, and this is these are those things that the, the thoughts that Satan runs through our head that our humanity kind of kicks in and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. What you just did, you know, here and, and, and these guys hanging out and hovering over you all the time. I'm sorry, but my world, I just can't have 12 guys that are walking and bumping into me every time I stop and, and listening to every breath I, I make and, and listening to every phone call that I'm on and cramming in my cubicle with me at work because they want to see what I'm doing at work. I, I just can't have 12 guys follow me around like that. Well, and that's true. But here's some of the release. Because discipling others is not, is not me having my own disciples. It's not me having my own disciples that I'm needing these people to hang on everything that I say and follow me everywhere. See, even the Apostle Paul, I think Paul was pretty good at discipling others. I mean, would you agree? I mean, he planted a lot of churches. He equipped leaders and pastors and left these fully established churches that turned their areas upside down. Uh, I'd say Paul was pretty good at discipling other believers. But in Corinthians, he's writing back to the church and, and telling them about their talking to them and confronting them about their arguments over which pastor and their history They they want to follow, you know, here it would be like, well, I follow Larry Powell. No, I follow Raleigh Miller. Well, I'm following James Payton, you know, and 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 Larry Powell writing back saying, what are you guys doing? (laughs) That's kind of what Paul was doing here as he writes back. He says, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul? This is Paul writing, talking about himself. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. No, you you are following Christ. And Paul was like, don't be my disciples. Let me help you become Christ's disciples. And so it's not, yes, we want to multiply what God, we, we say it to simplify it, multiply yourselves in the lives of others. And that's what gets scary because that means I'm multiplying where I fall short. I'm multiplying the things that still need God's work and I don't want to, I don't want to multiply those in my kids, but I know I'm passing on something. (laughs) And, and yet when God says, make disciples, he's not saying make disciples of yourself, make disciples of me. And that's what Paul is saying. It's not to follow me. It's to follow Christ. He is the one who's your savior. And so it's me helping others be Christ's disciples. I just need to get them closer to Him. I can do that with a limp. I can do that with imperfections in my own steps. I can be vulnerable and say, I know my life does not fully reflect Him, but what I know in His Word and what I'm praying for Him to work on me in. And when we fall short, those are the people that we say, oh my goodness, you're close enough to see that. And and knowing that you saw that, that's part of what Holy Spirit used to confront me and help me grow as Christ's disciple. And all of a sudden they're able to start sharing those things with you and be vulnerable with each other And instead of thinking that you're perfect and they can't share their struggles with you because you'll be disappointed as their discipler. But in that journey of real life, following Him, and that's why Paul said, follow me only as I follow Christ, because the end is that you're following Christ, not me. Only follow me as I follow Christ. Let me get you close to Him. And so I need to do that from whatever point they're at. Wherever they are, Philip encountered an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, uh, The Lord called him to go and he found this man reading the scrolls at his chariot. And he says, do you understand what you were reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. And Philip got in the chariot with him. He sat with him for a while. He began explaining how Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that he was reading. And and he rode along with him for a while. He got in his chariot. And rode with him. It wasn't even the direction he was wanting to go or planning on going in the first place. And then they come on a body of water and in that discussion, this man who didn't understand a thing of the scrolls was like, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized in the name of Jesus? And so Philip met this man at ground zero. At ground level. Zero knowledge of Jesus. And discipled him and influenced him. But there will always be someone behind me to share my understanding with. There will always be people even with me for mutual encouragement. And they're going to be even with areas that fall short. You know, if there is a scale, that's, you know, they're going to fall short in different ways, but you know, if they're 75% there, you know, I mean, it's hard to put a percentage on these things. But just, you know, just for thought, even with me for mutual encouragement and ahead of me. That allowing them to disciple me is actually part of discipling them. Because if they need to be disciplers to be a disciple of Jesus, my allowing them to have someone to disciple is allowing them to be a disciple. It's giving them the teeth of what God has called them to do. They can't be a discipler and be like Christ if there's no one letting them disciple them. You know, when I was throwing the hammer in college, part of the the blessing that God gave me in that, there were a couple of coaches, That uh, one that had thrown in the trials that helped us a lot, but my teammate, Kyung Song, from Korea. His dad threw the hammer in the Olympics for Korea. And so Kyung grew up throwing the hammer and learning the technique and practicing the technique. I didn't even know what a hammer was until my sophomore year of college. And, And Kyung started teaching me what he knew, and he had developed physical patterns, and we were training together, and I'm watching him like I was watching that video that we showed last week, but I'd watch Kyung, and he would watch me, and he would tell me certain things in the technique that he saw, and at one point he said, he goes, James, you know, I've gotten as big as I'm going to get, as tall as I'm, he's a tall Korean man, very lean, and his body weight wasn't going to get any bigger. And it was a good thing in the hammer throw to have this in the physics of the equation. He says, James, I see in you that you're going to the stuff I'm teaching you. You're going to be better at it than I am someday. Because your body, your, your design, I, I, I'm, I've been at this level for years and I'm not going to get any bigger. I'm not going to get any stronger. The technique's taken me as far as it can. You're going to get better at this. And he says, can you do me one thing? When you're better than me, don't forget me. I've taught other people and they've gone better than me and they've just forgotten all about me. They don't need me anymore because you're my friend. <laughs> and, and it was interesting to me that at the national meet, I actually threw a throw that would have gotten second in the nation that would have beaten Kyung, And that's the one that they called a foul over a technicality and it was protested by the NAIA record holder that was there watching. and. But once they pulled the hammer out of the divot, they couldn't, without marking it, they couldn't, you know. And so I I had a throw that would have gotten me second rather than third, but it would have launched me over Keong into second, putting him in third. And my next throw, it dropped me back down to sixth. And my next and final throw is the one that got me up to third place behind Keong. And there was a part of me that says that's, that was, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. God showed me I can, but... You know, and if I'm going to go further, and I still had plans to go further at that time, it was good that I didn't beat my buddy. We finished two and three. and uh, But anyhow, Keong was teaching and, and expecting and hoping, hoping. He hoped that I would be better. He saw that I had more in me, and, and he wanted me to be better than he is. My dad used to say that. He'd say, son, you know, of his you know, parents mean this with such a oh, I see so much of me in you. And my dad go, I see so much of me in you. And it scares me to death. Because he knows the weaknesses that he's passing on. And I, and I start seeing things in my kids, and I'm like, oh, Amy, and I look at you and I go, oh, that's you. <laughs> kids, just oh, that's you. Which side of the family is that? She'll say, that's you. I go, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but he, he always said, son, I want you to be better than I am at being a husband. I want you to be better than I am at being a pastor. I want you to be better than I am. Because when we come to Christ and we're building into others, they are the point of interest. It's not about us. It's about building the kingdom of God. And there's always going to be people that we can influence. And they'll be inspired by my own growth. From whatever point they're at, younger, equal, or even in understanding, or ahead of me, my growth will inspire others. 1 Corinthians 10:31 to 11, one says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So that's what I referred to earlier. Follow me as I follow Christ. Um, and I believe that Again, as I said, the discipler needs to be matured in discipling. And it only comes from discipling. <laughs> we can learn all about how to do something. I can, I can, I can read about basketball, but until I'm learning and, and developing the touch of how to get that thing to fall in that silly hole after it bounces around a little bit. I can watch Tiger Woods golf, but if I don't get out there and start golfing, you know, So there's a maturity, there's a level of maturity that will only come for any Christian that can only come from discipling others. And, and, and see, Satan turns it around on us. Well, when I feel I'm a little more mature, maybe I'll try to disciple someone else. But I've got to tell you, I think when, when I'll, as I'm growing and, and have been growing and starting out as a young pastor, to know that I am sharing God's Word with a bunch of people... There's a responsibility on me that gives me a little bit of seriousness of my studies. And, tr- and I have said things. Sometimes I've listened to sermons from years ago and go, did I say that? <laughs> and and, and I, yes, I have to grow. But, but in preparing, God is speaking messages to me that, that I am growing in. And then I'm able to share with you what he's sharing with me. And, and so there's a level of maturity that comes from doing what Christ has told us to do. One of our churches, we had a puppet ministry that practiced and practiced and, practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And the, and the teens were getting frustrated and, and, and discouraged. And, and I mean, they practiced every week. And, and I asked the director, I says, well, when have you had performances? When have you gone out and done something at a convalescent home or at another church or done something in church here? Because, oh, the kids aren't ready. They don't have performance polish yet. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, I want you to think about it. I think that they've practiced so much. Really, the only way is have them perform. Put them in front of a crowd and have them perform. There's a performance polish that can only come from being polished by performance. <laughs> Getting the nerves out. Get those bugs out. Get used to being there. Being able to think through the technique in front of people. There's, that's all that needs. That, that. There's a maturity that can only come from that. And, and so discipling others is like that. Satan says get mature and then maybe you can think of discipling someone else. He says no, you at any walk of your faith, if you're really into it, you can you can encourage people in all levels of where they are. Yeah. We don't have people walking and following us into our cubicle, but it is an investment. An investment is an outpouring. An investment is something that we 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 cut out some of the budget and put it aside for something greater. And it is an investment. That Yes, we may not have them cramming in our cubicle with us, but we do need to try to have some time with them. We need to try to be in community groups with each other. We can't do this with each other if we don't see each other. And so the opportunities to build relationships in community groups, making opportunities for coffee outside the scheduled times, whatever it is, yes, it's an investment. But what everyone's looking for in the world of investment is a win-win situation. And we've got a win-win-win. To, to invest in the lives of others, to be discipling others as Christ did, is a three-fold win that is worth it. Paul and Titus, in the book of Titus, a couple of sections mashed together. Listen to Paul writing to Titus and listen to, listen to the richness of the journey of a discipler who's discipled and probably still discipling someone else, listen to the mutuality of blessing. Listen to this, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. As soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I've decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Z- Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. I hear three wins in this one. The first one is the Disciplees those who are being discipled. Titus has a man like Paul as a spiritual father. Could you imagine Paul writing to you, my son, my daughter in the faith. Paul. And, and, and so here, Titus develops this relationship with someone that mentor, looks up to, um, he, he's not fatherless in the faith. And, and I've been in youth ministry, and it's getting more and more to where teens that find their way in the group don't have a father in their life. Or they don't have a spiritual father, a Christian father. There's no spiritual guidance or counsel or help coming from their father. And, and so the youth pastor has to become this spiritual father in a sort. That maybe the one who helps the Lord birth new life in them spiritually, or if it is very young, helps nurture it into growth. But the disciplee, there's new life that they get. They're born in Christ through the influence of a believer, and then there's um, nurturing that takes place. I think of trying to. I've talked about our kids and trying to nurture them in, in the ways of life as best I can. And so disciplees, they get new life from Christ and nurturing in that relationship. The discipler It's not just an investment of an outgoing thing, but listen to Paul's heart and the richness in this relationship. And oh when I send these other guys there, will you come to me? I'm gonna winter there. And and, and I, I long for our relationship to be back close, working together in the faith, our partnership in the ministry. And so the discipler has this colleague in ministry that didn't know Christ before the discipler met him. And he gets to see this new birth. And we all know the excitement of being around a new birth and holding a new baby and how it excites all of us. And it's the same spiritually when we are a part of watching God give birth to new life in somebody and then walking with them and watching them grow. Another reason I kind of picked this high jump picture was that there was a friend of mine named Dan Ratchus at Point Loma that was a high jumper. He was he was accelerating quite well in how high he could jump. He actually jumped in the Olympic trials a couple times. Uh I saw him at a reunion recently. And I remember I was a hammer thrower. I mean you want to see how high I can jump? <laughs> I mean I could actually jump fairly high for my body weight, but I couldn't get up over that pole that's up over my head. You know but one time, I just, you know, I was hanging with Dan, we were friends, and it, we were at, I think it was Mount Sac Relays, not too far from here. And, and he, I was just sitting with him at the pitch, you know, and he says, I gotta remember, I gotta remember, I gotta remember. And so I, so I just, when he was getting ready to go, the, the jumper before him, and I was like, Remember, block, block, up, block, up, block, up. Now that sounds very simple and basic, and it is. Because when your mind is thinking you gotta get over this thing, you're thinking you have to carry this momentum in a direction. But you're running up for the Fosbury flop. You know, they're running at a curved angle. I can't even, I don't even know if I can remember. They're running at an angle like this, and then they stop that momentum and come up and go over. Your body already has this momentum coming this way. And if you don't block that energy up, You're going to go under the pole or you're going to knock it right off. You've got to turn all that energy as much as you can, block it as hard as you can. So it goes up and the natural carry takes you and they flop so that they're not all the way over the bar. They flop so they're (laughs) And, and their legs fold up just as they're dropping down. They just barely go that direction. They barely go this way. It all needs to go up to hit those heights. And so he said, James, I want you with me in the pit. I need you with me. I'm like, I'm a hammer thrower. He says, yeah, but I need you to keep that. Just keep telling me, block up, block up, block up. He needed someone to remind him of those basics. This guy was heading towards Olympic trials, and he needed me to remind him of the basics. And so the discipler, you know, even if I'm, I'm someone who's young and he's having to teach me the basics, I'm helping him get grounded in his basics. Sometimes we get too mature for our own good. And we need this mental scholastic challenge with every message. It better be rich with biblical history. And he better pronounce all the kings and guys' names right. And, and we need to be challenged up here. And and, and and we get all dry and cold in the passion that Jesus Christ died for me and rose from the dead. And He's called me to follow Him. And so we need to be discipling others to keep us grounded and keep the basics. So the disciples, the discipler, and finally the church slash kingdom of God. You saw in that passage that it says they need to be devoted to doing good so that they may provide for daily necessities, daily needs, their regular provision, and that they will not live unproductive lives. And so, discipling others is helping people. Uh, you know, in the Church of Acts, remember that provision that was there. And there was no needs among them because they were all devoted to doing the same thing together and helping each other in that. And, and and so, the church and the kingdom grows because we are reaching new people. We're nurturing them to Christ. We're growing more mature because we're doing it. We're staying grounded in the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not getting too big for our spiritual britches. And wanting to pass on, well, this historical knowledge of the Bible. This this book was written in this time, and this book was written in this time, and and the world's going, huh? And, And they just need to hear about the basics. Christ died for you, and He loves you. So as we continue on in this series, becoming a disciple, we have to embrace the call, the command, the example. We must be like Christ and disciple others. Otherwise, we become a well that's just so full and has a cap on it. And we're just looking for that next challenge. And and it's harder and harder because, well, I already know that. I already know that. I already know that. And we become fat in our knowledge. And, and, And God wants us to be pouring out and pouring out and sharing with others. And Jesus says today, don't be afraid. Whatever point you're at, if you're in faith, you can influence others in their faith. You asking a question that you think might be a stupid question, it makes someone answer a question that they may not have had to answer before and helps them become prepared with an answer that Scripture tells them to. And it gives you that answer as well. So it's mutual. Don't let Satan put a scale on this. Find who's in your world. We're going to give you opportunity in the second half of this to get very specific in people that you're thinking and praying for. But Satan, I mean God, Satan, God today wants to take away the fear when it says you need to disciple others. Don't be afraid. Just come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you believe him in that today? As the worship team comes, we're going to sing a hymn. It says, "I have decided to follow Jesus." will you follow Him? Let Him make you fisher of men. Will you be like Him and begin discipling others? Whether they need to know Christ in the first place, wherever they are, whatever point they're at, begin discipling others, helping them get close to Christ. And it says, though none go with me, still I will follow. What a great personal resolve. But I believe that if we will follow Him with that resolve that even if no one else does, I will, guess what? Someone will. If we will follow Him, as if we would even if we're the only one, people will see that and will follow us. And so, have you really decided to follow Jesus? We have His example. We have His command. We have His promise. So, I invite you. You can come to the altar. Maybe you haven't even received Christ, but you've heard the message of the Gospel in this and you want to receive Him. Maybe you need to say, God, I've sung this song a lot, but I've not been like you at all. And you've just shown me a new way I get to. Maybe you shouldn't say, I've not been like you at all, but this is an area that I've not given to you. And you're talking to me about it today. Whatever. Heavenly Father, I just bring this message to you now. You're the one who can wrap this up in each heart and each mind. You're the one who can speak to each person. But I pray in the name of Jesus that Your perfect love would chase away fear, that You would bind the enemy over us who puts all these thoughts in our heads that makes us think, I can't disciple other people. I've got to get to a certain... No. In the name of Jesus, bind the enemy and let Your people here come. Follow Me and I will make You fishers of men. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray.